Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell, and I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business since 1994 trying to help people get more fit because it's something I'm so passionate about, something that I love. And today is Monday. We are looking at March 6th. Everything is flying along. I want to first thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. They currently have over 275 star reviews on Zillow and they're absolute pros in their industry. Jonathan has a degree in real estate from Florida State University and Lynn, his wife, has an MBA. They have a great team and if you're looking to sell your house or buy another, give them a shout. All of their information is in the show notes. All right. So today I'm going to go into a little bit of sports psychology. Listeners know, and for those that haven't listened before, you'll hopefully learn that I like to go all around the spectrum of health and wellness from really high-tech exercise physiology stuff and strength conditioning and kinesiology I like to get into nutrition. I like to get into sports psychology. These are all areas that I'm very interested in, passionate about. And today I want to dive a little bit into some of the sports psychology things. I guess uh, it would go under that realm, although um, it's really more of a psychology thing, I think. The ultimate goal is I want to get people to work out more. I want to get people to get into wellness more. I mean, we all preach what we are trying to learn, right? So I have found it to be very, very impactful in my life. So I want to share that and I want other people to get into it, you know, to lift weights and strength train on a regular basis, to do their cardio on a regular basis, to work on their mobility on a regular basis and to eat right, get rest, do all the natural things they can to get better. That's kind of how I would define wellness. It's really taking care of yourself entirely. So that's the goal. And maybe one of the hindrances that keeps people from pursuing that goal could maybe be the old, you know, comparison and competition thing. All right. So I was sparked by this idea by listening to a, uh, you know, it wasn't a podcast. I almost said a podcast, but it wasn't. I got his name from a podcast. His name is Rick Rubin, and he's a famous record producer. And uh, I'm a big fan of music, and I'm a big fan of the creative arts. So I did hear him on a podcast, and uh, I wanted to buy his book because I really enjoyed what I heard. And it was all about creativity. And so I've been listening to that. And as I was doing my cool down walk this morning, because I uh, did a uh, little indoor bike to warm up and then I did a nice strength training session. And then I wanted to cool down a little bit outside and um, listen to an audio book or podcast is usually what I do when I warm up and cool down. So that's what I did. And, uh, He said the famous quote that I've heard many times, which says that comparison is the thief of joy. What he said this morning was interesting, though. Um, I've never heard that credited to Theodore Roosevelt, to Teddy Roosevelt before. 
not surprised because from what I've studied of studied of Teddy Roosevelt, he was a pretty remarkable man on many accounts. So I'm not surprised at all. I just didn't know that. And uh, in any event, he was he credited him. I don't know if that's true or not, but I've got no reason to believe it's not. And that's neither here nor there. But I do love that saying, and I can relate. I mean, how many times do we go to do something physical? And I'm just talking physical. This could go in any realm into your life, but the method to the madness is about mostly the physical and wellness and things like that. And hopefully you might get a little self-help out of it, but I'm just going to gear this towards physical and exercise and sport and those types of things that can get you active and healthier by being active. So I'm just keeping it here. But how many times have we tried something and compared our way out of it? Because that's what we're doing. We're comparing ourselves. We're thinking, well, I don't do this as good as so-and-so. You know, I'm not going to do this anymore because I can't be the best or I can't be one of the best. I could speak for myself and say that I have done that before. Um, and, and it's too bad. And so let's try to learn those lessons, talk about it a little bit. So we know that that's not how we want to approach our physical fitness and wellness. So on my wall here, as I'm speaking, doing this podcast right now, I have this, uh, never give up metal holder that one of my dear clients, Emily, got me and Ellen in the gym for Christmas this year because she saw how we hung all these little medals on our punching bag, you know, the punching bag that we never use, you know, it's the infamous, uh, you know, exercise bike in the, uh, in the corner of your house that you put your laundry on. That's kind of how this punching bag is. So we ended up like putting our medals on it. Now I bring this up because for so many years, like I looked at at the metal scenarios at these 5k triathlons, bike races, walks, um, longer races, you know, whatever as silly, you know, because here I am or thinking that, Oh, you know, Mr. Competitive, why don't you save your money on that silly metal? Like anybody can finish a 5k or anybody can do this, you know, but then tend to hold on to like the age group award plaques, or it could be the exact same medal. But if it was won by winning your age group or placing your age group, then all of a sudden that medal takes on this new meaning because we put more meaning behind this medal, you know, and, and saying this out loud and thinking about this, you know, of course that sounds so absolutely ludicrous, But I know I'm not alone on this because I have eyes and I'm out in the competitive world and I watch the supposedly, you know, fit people all the time and their obsessions over their race times and the competition and competition ultimately means comparison because sure, we're only competing against ourselves. And that sounds so great to say to our friends, but in reality, Most people are absolutely competing against the person right next to them, which could be healthy to an extent, you know, can be like, I do believe in the gray areas. Like there is no black and white, like all competition is great or all competition is bad. And of course 
that's not true, whatever. Of course, there are gray areas in it. But this is for trying to get people to think, you know, are they maybe comparing a little too much on the unhealthful side? Not unhelpful because that is unhelpful, but unhealthful side. Is there too much comparison going on? And then, you know, I look at these metals and I go, wait a minute, that's kind of is what it's all about. You know, everybody's getting a medal that finishes the particular course, you know, and there could be some courses for one person that go, well, that didn't take a lot of effort, but it took a lot of effort for somebody and you were out there. And then there's other courses. So I did a, a gravel bike race a few weeks ago and it was a race. It was a competition, but you know, really it turned into a, a survival after a while um, the terrain wasn't overly bad for a gravel race. I've heard they can be far worse. It was actually pretty gravel and hard packed dirt roads, which is pretty nice, but it was, uh, what was it? Almost 30 miles and, uh, just the worst headwinds I've ever experienced in my life. And I've been training, you know, doing outdoor runs and rides and stuff like that for over 30 years. And it was literally the worst headwinds I've ever experienced. And there was a point where I really just felt like getting off my bike and walking it in. I mean, there was a point where the headwind was so stiff that I could barely go eight miles an hour. And I'm a fairly strong cyclist. And uh, literally, that's all I could muster because of uh, the headwinds. And it was near the end, so there was some fatigue. But it was mostly the headwinds. And I tell you what, if they would have given out medals at that race, I would have probably taken one. Because that really was well earned. It was one of the harder things that I've done. So it really does matter just being out there and finishing different things and collecting medals versus just trying to be the best or beat people next to you, which can get very unhealthful. It can get very unhealthful. And I'll get into that in a second, the examples of that. Um, but before I forget, I do want to mention like, uh, you know, I've worked in um, 12 step programs before. I've worked as a counselor, a youth counselor. One of my favorite jobs ever was a youth counselor for Stuart Marchman. And I was in the residential adolescent program. And I was a counselor for adolescent boys and girls who had substance abuse issues. So, a lot of experience in that regard. Um, great, great, great programs. They are, you know, 12 step programs are phenomenal programs to help people get on their feet. And one of the things that is spoken in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous is it is said that rarely did I ever want to be a man among men. And that was like really powerful to read. Like basically it was saying I either wanted to be better than or I made myself lesser than to everybody I came across versus rarely just wanted to be one among many. You know, if I'm paraphrasing, he said one among men, but one among many, like just part of the crowd. Don't have to be better than, don't have to be less than just have to be among the crowd. And I can remember when I first got into triathlon in the early 90s, 
I switched over because I'd been doing some competitive bodybuilding in my 20s and um, took it very, very serious and definitely could relate. I mean, I was like definitely not very emotionally healthy yet by the time that I was competing. And I thought this was a way to prove that I was okay. If I got up on stage and beat people, then I was okay. Like I had to beat everyone to just be average, which of course is not a healthy mindset, which thankfully it made a lot of progress in, but definitely I can remember feeling that way at the time. And that's a very tough way to live. Like that kind of like over competition is a very tough way to go through things. You end up, or I ended up not really enjoying training anymore. I mean, what's the point of just being average was the thought. So you got to do more, 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 more. And so I joined the master's program at UCF working on my graduate degree. And, uh, I got into my studies and I found that like I was one of maybe two serious lifters in the program. Everybody else was doing all this endurance stuff, triathlons and cycling and swimming and running. And I thought, what is this? You know, to be quite honest in my twenties, you know, we used to make fun of people like that. You know, we thought that was what the nerds did, you know, and the real men lifted, you know, and I'm acknowledging that that was a pretty, you know, egotistical, um, which isn't healthy. You know, people think of ego as confidence. It's not. So an egotistical, stupid way to think. But anyway, but then I saw like, they all seem to like really enjoy training. So I thought, you know, I'll do that. And I can remember doing my first triathlon and I had no idea really what they were about, except you had a swim, bike, run. And it was uh, at the old Cypress Gardens and it was a reverse course because a traditional triathlon goes swim, bike, run. But this one was run, bike, swim. So it was a reverse course. I trained a little bit for it, of course. I mean, I didn't go into a blind. I started running a little bit, maybe a month or two before cycling a little bit, swimming and um, nervous. I was real nervous going in. I was afraid, you know, what if I panic in the water, you know, typical fears, so I worked through those fears and I did it. And I remember feeling really, really good about myself. And um, I was sitting on the, the grassy beach afterwards. And, you know, I just can remember that, you know, and this was, God, 1993, I don't know, 92, maybe so long ago. But I can remember that that blissful feeling of peace. And uh, and then my friend who I did it with, you know, a girl from the program, she comes up and she goes, hey, Gunt, why don't you go see how you did on the scoreboard thing? I had no idea they kept score. Like, I was like, huh? So go see how you did. And, you know, I don't remember how he did. I remember I did okay. I mean, I don't remember exactly how okay, but I did, you know, I did okay. I was young, fit, so I naturally, you know, you're going to do okay. And um, that kind of ruined it. You know, it's weird because then after that, it's like chasing the trophies, chasing the the better times and beat people and crush people, you know, and it, it just, it wasn't good. And to this day, I still see so much of that out there and it's not the epitome of healthiness and no, not everybody that competes is unhealthy by no means, especially when you're competing for money. I mean, there are people that compete because that's their jobs. So clearly that's not unhealthy. That's how they're making their money. But there are some people that take what they're doing way, way too serious and they get way too much credit for being these, you know, fit people that are out there and they're inspirational. And, 
And not now, not all of them. I'm just saying there are some that you, you may witness getting all this attention and, you know, lo and behold, they're ha- they have eating disorders to make them more competitive or they're out there training all day, not because they're of their dedication to a certain cause, but because they want to eat just a normal dinner at night and they feel like that's the only way that they can do it. That's not healthy, people. That's not healthy. And what happens is we end up chasing people away from fitness because they see stuff like that, which is insanity, by the way. That's insane behavior. That's eating disorder. That's addictive behavior. That's uh, a form of alcoholism. You know, when you look at it, it is not healthy. So what it does is it chases people away. And we just have to understand that that is not the epitome of health and fitness. And no, not everybody that competes and pushes themselves falls into that negative like it. That's why there's a gray area and we have to say, what is somebody's motives? We can't guess somebody's motives, nor should we ever try. The point is that if we ourselves can think to ourselves, wait a minute, what do I really want to do? Well, I want to start playing a particular sport because I think that's a great way to get healthy. Okay, do it. Do it and have fun with it. Try to get better at it because that's going to make you feel good about yourself In other words, instead of saying, I want to become the best at the sport, say, I want to master it better. I want to learn how to hit a certain shot. You know, if it's golf or whatever, I want to learn how to do this. I want to, if you you take up swimming, I want to learn how to bilateral breathe, breathe on both sides of my, my body when I turn to breathe, because that'll make me feel good about myself. Or I want to learn a different stroke, you know, or if it's cycling, I want to see how far I can push my boundaries. You know, what's the longest ride I can do? before I run out of gas. Like those are great reasons, right? That's not comparing yourself to other people. That's just simply challenging your own boundaries and having fun. Remember the saying, comparison is the thief of joy. If you don't have joy in what you're doing, you're going to quit. You know, we know this. We have the data. I've worked in sports medicine. I've worked in coaching. I've looked at all the reasons why kids drop out of youth sports. Number one reason is comparative appraisal. Comparing themselves out of a sport because they don't think they're as good as somebody else. And of course, coaches and parents make it far worse when they point out that they're not as good as somebody else. And gee, I wonder where these kids get it when they say, I'm not as good as Timmy. I'm not going to play this sport anymore. Well, they're getting that projection from their parents of some form or another, whether it be mom or dad. What we really want is for people to enjoy physical activity to an extent. Find something you like to do. Find a new sport that you enjoy. Find a new machine at the gym that you like spending 20, 30 minutes on as far as cardio goes. Find a way to strength train that you enjoy. Challenge yourself. Have fun. But don't compare yourself. Because if you do, you're going to lose the joy in it. You're going to miss the point, And you're not going to do it. All right? So, and finally, quit putting the people up on social media as heroes when they're maybe doing more than you think is normal. 
chances are you're correct. If you're looking at them like they're a little bit crazy, chances are you're correct on that. Quit the liking. If you want to be a positive person in this, ignore it. Now, people can say what they want about Chris Rock's latest uh, comedy show on Netflix. Yes, it's a little raunchy and everything, of course. So, but my point is, I watched it. I thought it was entertaining, and uh, you know, I like how he's pretty pointed and says things. You know, although they might not be in the most correct way, if, and that may be your opinion, but whatever. He did say something about the uh, the social media obsession with people being so addicted to likes and fame, like more so than other things in life. And he was talking about that. And he is dead spot on that people just want attention. And if we're giving it to them on social media for things that we look at and go, gee, I don't know if that's like a good thing. Well, maybe don't like it. <laughs> You know, absolutely mind your own business. I get all that. And it's it's easier to just keep scrolling. I get all that, you know. But do we have to feed it? I mean, I see it all the time. I'll see things people do and I'll be like, okay, so you spent five hours working out this morning. I mean, awesome. I know people that spend five hours at the Humane Society volunteering their time trying to help poor adopted dogs and cats find homes. And to me, that's a lot more admirable than somebody out there working out for four or five hours, which to me seems excessively selfish. And that's, yes, opinionated in my opinion, but, you know, we can call things for what they are and understand that. And I'm telling you this from a physiologist standpoint, you're not making yourself more fit by doing this. They're not making themselves more fit by doing that. The famous Ken Cooper once said, and he is called the father of aerobics. He's given credit for really pushing the running movement of the 1970s. He's still very famous because he owns the Cooper Institute in Dallas, Texas. He even said, and please don't put numbers to it and think you're being judged by the numbers. Everything's gray and relative. He used the number 30. And he said, if you're running more than 30 miles a week, you're doing it for more than your physical fitness. Hmm. That's from Ken Cooper. So what are you doing it for? You doing it? Maybe you're bored. Uh, maybe you're you're trying to like compare yourself to somebody, compete with somebody who doesn't know that you're competing with them. Um, maybe you've got nothing else to do. I mean, whatever. But there and, and yes, there's a gray area. If you're training for an ultra marathon or something, you're gonna do more miles than that. So again, this all isn't meant to be taken so literal. You only know your motives. And finally, I'll say, you don't know who the most physically fit is based on them telling you this all the time. I have a lot of super fit clients, and I'm not going to mention names. That'd be ridiculous. I'm just going to say this. Probably my most fit client that I've had in the last five years doesn't compete at anything. Nothing. They simply don't compete. Not going to say who, what, or where, and it's really ridiculous to try to guess who this person is because I'm not saying it for that reason. What I'm saying it is, is let that sink in. They're an anomaly to most people because they're not on social media a lot. They don't compete in anything, meaning they don't do 5Ks, they don't do tennis tournaments, they don't do golf tournaments, they don't uh, race bikes, they don't do triathlons, they don't do any of those things. They don't do CrossFit, they don't do any of those things. 
None of those things are bad. I do some of them, all right? It's, it's all about relativity here. My point is this, that I know they're fit because I train them. I know what they can do. So, and they know what they can do. And they don't care if anybody else knows what they can do. They just want to be the most fit they can be. Think about that. You know, maybe there's some behaviors that you can take on that will set better examples for people than maybe examples that you're currently setting. All right. So, you know, that is the punch in the forehead this morning. And um, like I said, I like to get into psychological issues sometimes and I like to get into all of it. And speaking of psychological issues, I want to thank our next sponsor, chiropractic physician, Dr. Doris Antos. And she is a chiropractor. And the reason why I bring up psychological issues is because chiropractic care is also phenomenal for mood. It's phenomenal for getting your whole body in alignment and help your nervous system get settled. So it's not just for what you think. I hate when I hear people say, oh, I hurt my back. I better go to the chiropractor. It's, it's more about, you know what? Maybe you should go on a regular basis and keep your spine in a good alignment for healing purposes and everything else. And she's phenomenal. We refer to her. She's in Ormond Beach. And I will put her information in the show notes. Until next time, be Max Fit and be Max Wealth.